This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast with Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about being alone in the wilderness. Now, there's a TV show called Alone, and it kind of captures the idea. These people are given some supplies, and they're sent out, but they're in a new, reasonably new environment to them, definitely somewhere they haven't been before, and they're basically left with those supplies and they compete to who can stay out the longest. And I kind of wanted to use that as like a, a jumping off point to, you know, ideas of things you might face when you're actually confronted with real survival, you know, with really being out there and, and kind of that bushcraft kind of mentality and some ideas that worked, some ideas that didn't work. And, basically kind of to help you out with the mindset also of how to get there. Cause I think that's a big part of it going at it with the right mindset and not defeating yourself or not getting overwhelmed can really have a big impact on how things turn out for you and how, you know, survival in the wild is really going to go. Kevin thoughts. Yeah. I uh, actually just got back from, uh, from you were surviving in the and, wild. Yeah, yeah, I was out. I was out there. I mean, I wasn't really surviving. I was, I was just hiking. But I was thinking that that I would, I could probably, could probably go, you know, at least through the summer, just uh, sticking up random hikers for their granola bars. Right. But that's not really surviving, you know, surviving on it's your surviving, own. It's surviving, but it's not thriving. <laughs> right, right. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of snow up there still, so. Okay. Um, you know, there's, I'll, I'll post some pictures on the Facebook website of, uh, you know, of the hike, but it was, uh, you know, there's, there's certain environments that you really cannot survive in unless you're prepared and unless yeah. you're set up out there, you know, you're not going to survive in Alaska in the winter. If you just hike out there and, and try and forge your own way with a, with a, you know, a survival knife and a, and a rifle. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, unless you're pretty much master trapper. Um, right. Making do in the, uh, I mean, I guess you're probably dressed for the 
the occasion if you're out in Alaska. But uh, Alaskan winter, that's something tough to walk into in the spur of a moment, spur of the moment. Right, right. But, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, the problems I see is, is, you know, with a lot of the survival shows is they show you some basic, you know, basic tricks of the trade and yeah. the figure four traps, you know, with the, the rocks that, you know, you put your, your granola bar, a piece of your granola bar in there and about mouse comes in and the rock falls on them. That's great and all, but yet you, you caught a mouse, you know, that's not, that's not going to bring you, you know, pull you through the winter. You really no, have you're to not going to make some. it through on a mouse. No, no, that's about 20 calories. It's just <laughs> not going to do it. You okay. know, you really have to, um, you really have to have some, some skill and some talent going into things and you have to really get, get prepared and get started. So I think really the big, the big idea, the theme of the show, if you're going to survive in your wilderness, in the wilderness, you really have to, uh, have some experience and some practice at a time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just, just bow hunting in, in the woods by your house or, uh, doing some hiking. That's all, that's all well and good. But, you know, a lot of it is trapping. A lot of it is, uh, you know, being happy with being out there. You know, it's yeah. great for a week or two, but a lot of people, you know, after that, they really start missing their interactions with other people. Right. And, um, you know, you have to be prepared for it. You know, who would do really well is uh, Todd. I get the impression uh, the from him. Trucker. Yeah, I get the impression from him that he doesn't like anybody anyway. So he's probably good. He'd probably be he's good in? out there. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's... But, <laughs> But I mean, the truth of the matter is, it's a it's a lot more difficult to survive out in the wilderness by yourself than it would be, you know, if you have a partner, your, you know, your wife, or you know, maybe you and some kid, your kids, or something like that. You have to really have some uh, some other people to count on. Yeah, yeah. Now that definitely would help. Um, there's a lot of things like things that'll catch you off guard when you come down to it, you know, you had mentioned, Oh, it's one thing to, you know, shoot a bow and arrow in the woods or, or something like that. But once you get out to it, um, I know we had talked about in the past cause we actually applied some of these principles and like when everything's wet or it's been raining, try and start a fire, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Or, or we just kind of can't get ahead of, of the moisture and the, you know, the dense wetness in the air, you know, when you have real high humidity and things like that, these are things, you know, you're like, Oh, I could always start a fire. That That's nothing. And yeah, I did yeah. it with a bow drill and I'll just light one and, and I'll just leave it running all the time. Well, yeah, that's good. If you have enough dry wood to just leave it running all the time, you know, or mm -hmm. burning um, and starting a bow drill, when you're burning calories, looking for food and running around crazy every single day, all day, and things are taking a toll on you and being able to use a bow drill when it's damp out and you're spending two hours to get a fire going, that's something different than, you know, what you're maybe used to. And, you know, and what happens on the day when 
there just aren't any squirrels or anything around that seems to be, you know, that you can eat. And the foraging, you think, oh, I'm just going to walk and pick up. Look, I can recognize 10 plants that are mm-hmm. edible to me. And that may work, but if you're really walking for them, it may not work. Right. You might end up burning more calories looking for it than, you know, than, uh, than you're going to get from, from consuming it. And, right. um, you know, there's a lot of edible plants. There's a lot of stuff that you can, um, that you can, you can survive off of. But uh, if you only know five or 10 plants, like I do, right. you might be hard up pretty fast. Right. And, the plants that you know, are they something that can really sustain you? You know, um, that's the thing is, yeah, you know, like, oh, garlic mustard. Yeah, I can go, you know, find those flowers all over the place. Yeah, what? You get three or four handfuls? Is that right. really going to be the calories that you need to survive? Especially when you're building a shelter, gathering firewood, you know, sc- scouting out new land and, and looking for, you know, stuff to survive. These are things where if you really want to be the wilderness prepping bushcraft guy, if you will, you need to start looking at these things, start applying these things and really finding out what works because people do it. There are people who live in Alaska in the middle of nowhere. And there are people who last all, you know, winter long trapping and things like that. It happens. It's doable. But if you think you're just going to walk into it, it's something you really need to practice and apply. Um, One of the things that I found surprising was maybe not the the first season, but the the second season of this show alone, they actually took people who were like teaching military wilderness survival, you know, SEER in the Air Force, that search, evade, resist, whatever, escape, revate, whatever, but that kind of thing. Um, and you know, people who are teaching edible plant survival classes and people who are running bushcraft camps, you know, these are the guys who are the go-to the ones where you're like, well, you know, they would be fine. I don't know if I know all that. And they are people who are practicing those skills and are out there. And then when they're thrown in this environment, a lot of them are really thrown. Um, one of the things I found not so surprising, but disturbing, I guess, is that I, in my mind, I was like seven days is kind of the mark where, you know, that 300 calories a day that you're eating is going to start to really take a toll on your mental and, you know, cognitive abilities when you start to really fall apart. That's when you cut yourself with the knife or you, you know, the the slip of the axe or you fall down the hill because of a stupid decision or you do something and you fall in the lake that's 30 degrees and now you can't get, you know, back on top of it. These are the kind of things and like having a go-to fire or having your supplies, you know, set somewhere that they're going to last and you can count on. These are things that are really going to start to matter. So I don't know, between the show and, and life and what, what are some of the mistakes that you kind of see playing out, Kevin? Well, I see a lot of people, um, a lot of people are able to get, you know, get meat. Say you catch three fish in a day. Okay. 
and uh, then you don't catch anything for a week. If you aren't able to to smoke that meat and have it prepared to store for yeah. you know for a few days, fish it just isn't going to last that long. And it's the same thing with uh, venison. It's the same thing with anything moose, anything that you catch. If you're not able to preserve that meat, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. Right. Killing a getting a getting a deer that provides you say you know. 40 pounds of meat that's not all that beneficial you can eat today but it's you're not going to be able to make it last and sp spread it out if you're not able to smoke the meat and preserve it in some way or another or you can eat today and, and the coyotes can eat tonight is that how that works that's right <laughs> that's right man um yeah that was uh you know one of the guys was able to smoke his fish and then buried it in the sand and mm -hmm. did a nice job preserving it. And even with that, he's like, oh, I'll be good for two or three days. You know, I, I don't right. even think in the, the episode I watched, he even went back to it. They didn't show it. I mean, I believe he went mm -hmm. back to it, but they didn't, uh, they didn't really address it. So I actually don't know that it paid off for him. But another thing, like these guys, uh, the, the show, they were out in uh, Vancouver Island. And uh, mm -hmm. that's, you know, up north of Washington State kind of thing, right? And uh, so one of the things uh, that they came across is, you know, there's some serious predators out there. You got a lot of bears. You have a lot of wolves. And I guess, what was it? Uh, cougars? Is that the other one? Yep. Their third uh, yep. predator? And mm -hmm. one, as far as I went, we didn't really see a real threat. By the animals i mean the animals were definitely curious they were coming in and they had these people terrified and i gotta tell you wolves would have me terrified um mm -hmm. if i don't have a gun or pretty much a gun even if you gave me a compound bow and you put me out with a pack of wolves i don't feel like i would feel safe i gotta right. say i'm not that guy you know um but uh but they also, I feel like their shelters, a lot of the guys didn't seem to, if they're worried about security and safety, a lot of people, I don't think we're putting the thought into that, into a, a secure structure and something. I mean, I got to tell you, you're not going to build a secure structure, completely secure, quick overnight. It's going to be tough, but it is something you can get done in the first week, you know? And hopefully right. you're enough of a new threat to the environment that the animals aren't feeling so confident to come in and check it out. You know, hopefully right. you and hopefully you're roaring fire. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I was considering and, and I started looking around and I didn't see anybody doing it. So you may find big flaw with this and, and a lot of you may, you know, reach out on the, the Facebook group or whatever and tell me about how I'm wrong. And I very well could be, I don't know, but I got to tell you, I feel like if I was super scared of bears and wolves and, and cougars and, and things like that, I feel like I'd want to make a shelter that's above the ground, like five feet up or something like that. Now here's the thing. You're going to say, well, whoa, Chuck, you, you know, bears can climb trees and, and the, Cougars or cats just jump right up and, and eat you. And, uh, you know, the wolves, I don't know. You might have an edge on the wolves. Well, one, the wolves as a group 
or something that scare me. So being up there sounds good, right? Two, even though bears, you see them in the tree, they climb trees, I have no problem, you know, no disputing there. But the thing is, I think it takes away some of the curiosity factor, the wandering around and they're not going to feel threatened by you when you're up and out of the way as much as they are when they kind of stumble into you and you catch them off guard. And I think you might just have that safer edge by being a little away where if I feel like there's a lot of predators where I am, being up off the ground really seems like, you know, something I would be into, um, you know, where I'd want to stay a little out of the way. And I started thinking about how I would do a shelter like that. And I think just building like a tent platform, you know, between like four trees, mm-hmm. you know, yep. where you just run a pole on all the corners, you know, I mean, this isn't rocket science. This is something that can be done. Um, I think the bonus is, what you could do is you could stack your firewood underneath it. Cause that's one of the things that I see these guys, they're in a really wet, damp environment and mm-hmm. nobody, I, I think I saw one person out of both groups that they showed actually building a shelter for their firewood mm-hmm. and finding a way to keep wood dry and drying out. So it's there all the time. I think if you had the above ground, you have a shelter kind of underneath to protect your firewood and your stuff like that. I think that could be huge as an asset. And even if I'm totally wrong on the uh, off ground uh, shelter coming up with somewhere to keep your firewood dry is a brilliant idea. And I think you guys, you know, may want to think about that as you go into survival. Cause once stuff gets wet, it is tough to get around it. And it can be really hard. Um, Another thing that comes to mind now, these guys were given like tarps and I think you're going to have a hard go of a quick shelter without some kind of tarp. But on the flip side, I think that uh, the key one, if you're going to use earth for, uh, you know, and and even debris as part of your roof or, or coverage, you need to go thick, 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 thick. Um, right. Like, you know, think like, you know, if it's leaves or something like that, it, it might take a couple of feet of dried leaves to, you know, be water even resistant. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing you've seen people think of how we do roofs in society. Think about how you lay shingles down. You can use things like ferns or pine branches or, you know, they have the thatch roofs and things like that. But think about how they lay it from one to the next. That's Mm -hmm. something you're going to need to do where you really, you know, kind of plan it out and lay stuff down in a structured way to, you know, help spread the water onto the next. Another thing, if you're building a shelter in an area where rain and moisture is going to be a concern, you're going to want to have it set up so that uh, so that your roof is steep and has a decent pitch to it. Because something flat, unless you have a tarp or something that is absolutely waterproof, you're going to run into problems. And it's going to start leaking and you're going to be wet. 
And when you're cold and you're wet, things don't go well. And morale definitely starts to take a turn. Yeah, the pitch of the of the roof of a survival shelter is really a big deal. You want everything to run away. And, you know, you don't want it to run down right next to your shelter where it runs back in yes. where you're at. So, you know, you really you really want to be conscientious of where the water is going when it's raining, you know, especially during the big downpours. And that you happens. Know, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be in the channel, you know, on the hillside where the water is coming down and right into your camp? That's something, you know, you need to be aware of. You know, in the Boy Scouts, we used to dig the trenches. But it can't just be a straight trench. It's got to be a trench with a little drainage, depending upon the volume of, you know, waterfall that you're looking at getting, obviously. But, right. you know, kind of be aware of that and be aware of what way laying in wet is going to do to you and hopefully, you know, the other people with you and what it's going to do to morale, you know, so. Just something to right. keep in mind. And, you know, a big, it's a big deal. You know, being wet all the time is awful. It's just miserable. And once you get your socks wet, your boots wet, your clothes wet, it's hard to get those things dry again. Now, another thing that, that really struck me is these guys are supposed to be like survival experts, nature experts people who really understand the wild and, and out there. But uh, a lot of them are like, well, I'm not from this area or I, I haven't grown up in these woods or I don't know the area. Well, if you're going on a survival show and they're going to dump you in the middle of nowhere, then maybe do a little research quick on what kind of plants grow in that area. And the thing is, do it's not just, hey, I'm going on a, a survival show. It's, Hey, I'm a prepper. I'm going on a hunting trip in Northern Montana and that's not somewhere I'm used to, or I'm from do a little research before you go. I know we talked about, um, some, uh, we did uh, water survival and that kind of thing. And, you know, when you're going on these journeys, um, do a little research about where you're going. It's called prepping. It's preparing for what may come. You should know the edible plants where you live. And when you're going to spend time somewhere, you should know the edible plants there. Um, you should know, you know, what kind of things might come up, what kind of dangers, you know, you might be presented to. Just like, hey, I'm going to New Orleans or something. I'm not. I'm just telling a story here. If I'm going to New Orleans, what do I need to know about people who might kind of grab my wallet out of my pocket or people who come up to you and kind of hustle you like crazy um, and how they're always kind of trying to get get over on you or, you know, take advantage? Well, these are the kind of things you look into before you go and you plan, you know, hey, I can't carry a handgun there maybe. So what can I carry? What are good ways to defend myself or be prepared when I'm walking into an environment like that? These are the things you need to look at in advance, you know, that you really need to kind of understand. And that's, that's what being a prepper is. And when you're, you know, exposing yourself to a new environment, it's up to you as a responsible 
adult to understand what the world, you know, brings and, and what you're going to be exposed to and how you might handle whatever situation might come up. Yeah. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of us rely on our skills that we've learned in our local area. And that's great. That's important stuff. You know, nine times out of 10, you're in your local area. Yes. But the fact of the matter is, uh, living in upstate New York is not at all the same as living in uh, Patagonia. It's not the same as or Ari- living in California. Arizona or whatever, right. right. Huge differences in survival skills. And, uh, you know, it's important. You know, I, I feel like one of the most important things to do as a prepper is to be aware of where you can get food locally, you know, what plants you can eat in the woods by your house or what, you know, what things that you can, you can use. But anytime you're traveling, you need to think about that. You're leaving all, you know, all your knowledge behind because it's not going to apply to this new place. Right. Now, again, I mean, you know, all the practice and time that you've put in and growing up and your life experiences are definitely going to increase by far the number of things that you're going to recognize, you know, knowing how to snare squirrels or something, these things are going to apply to a huge amount of situations, but, you know, apply a few more as you go to new areas, you know, you're knowing how to snare a squirrel in a tree might not apply when you're in the desert, you know, or, but then again, knowing how to use a snare, there probably are some desert animals that you could kind of figure out, you know, ways to do it, but knowing what you can eat and what you can eat in that area, you know, that's going to matter. And it all comes into play. And that was one of the things that, uh, I, I really found shocking, um, was on that show was that none of the guys that I saw were using snares and they made a big point in, I think the beginning of the second season, they didn't mention it in the first about how, they're, you know, obligated to follow local laws and, and, and all that hunting laws and, and stuff like that. But I did some quick research and it appears what I read on the internet. And we all know that the internet is the absolute authority and never can be disputed. So it said that snaring rabbits and stuff was legal with, even without a hunting license in, in uh, Vancouver. So I'm not really sure why that wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's the lazy man way. Um, I know what you were talking about of being able, you know, the figure four traps kind of thing. Um, but <clears throat> knowing how to snare and utilize things available to you, I got to tell you, if you put some time in and you learn and you set a lot of traps, Knowing mm-hmm. how to trap can be a huge asset to keeping your belly full with minimal effort. Now, I agree right. you can't eat just meat and you got to know how to store it. But if you have one more thing of, oh, I'm going to have snare meat coming in at least every third day, then, mm-hmm. you know, because you're setting 10 traps, then going out fishing and whatever and things like that, you might be able to put together a steady diet of different things that'll, you know, add and, and allow you to thrive basically. Yeah. I think there's a big, uh, 
there's a big difference between um, between uh, trapping when you get to go back to your house every night and uh, you know you've got a, a belly full of grocery store food and um, and being out there and being starving and hoping praying to God that something is in your traps you know yes. you really need to to be conscientious of uh, of your resources and storing your resources so that you don't lose it uh, one of the uh, one of the episodes I saw uh, the guy had uh, killed a moose and um, you know moose moose has some fat on it and he uh, you know took some of the fat off and he stored it in a can and he buried it and next day he came out and uh, a wolverine had smelled it dug it up and ate all his fat and you know that sort of loss of reason you know that sort of loss is a big hit you know when you think you've got these calories that you can count on right. and uh something else out there already tracked it down and stole it you know there's no way to you know you, you have to really prepare for that sort of stuff too where you've got things stored and a bear came along and and dug it up and ate it you know you really have to be conscientious about protecting things that you you've acquired and storing it because those animals that are living in that forest are a lot better at surviving than you are. They've been doing it a while. They've been doing it a while, man. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, if they're they're getting away from the coyotes and the foxes and the uh, you know the cougars and the bears, so you know they've been trying to avoid the bear using them as toilet paper for a long time. So, right. That's, you know, that's the thing is just realize, start applying your skills, go out, you know, put your hands on the ground, do something, you know, where you're actually getting dirty and you're really, you know, having to, the thing is, I guess it, it comes down to having to count on your skills, you know, right. And seeing where you fall short. Um, I know at work, I'm a, uh, like a, a maintenance guy. I'm an electrician with big machines and, and whatever in an industrial setting. And we work on like hundreds uh, of different machines. And I actually, when trouble calls come in, it, it's usually me and a couple other guys. And uh, when a trouble call comes in, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm the new guy. Let me go by myself and let me find out where I fall on my face. You know, let me right. see where things fall apart for me instead of when you're doing it with somebody else and it's easy. And, and I guess I mean that of when you're doing it with the safety net of your house and your other resources available to you, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. um, when you go out and you're all on your own, you see where you fall apart. And that's, that's the kind of thing that you need to do to start, you know, elevating your skills to the next level. I guess that's, that's how you do it is by really testing them. Testing them is one, how we learn because you see where it falls apart. You see what doesn't work. You see the little step that you're overlooking. You see about, you know, where things can get you into quicksand and, and things fall apart. That's what we need to do with our prepping. And that's what we need to start doing with our skills. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's right. you know, how we can start improving and moving up to the next level. 
And let's all just like put a little effort into moving up to the next level because we sure thought that the world wouldn't turn the way it is. And as we've seen in the last three or four months here, the world can definitely take unexpected turns. And that's why we prepare. And let's all just step up our preparations just a little bit and kind of try and take them to the next level. And especially if you're staying at home and having the free time, maybe work on those bushcraft skills. So because you can, you can store, you know, you can store years worth of food and that can all be gone tomorrow, you know, with one big disaster, but the skills that you learn, you know, you can take those with you wherever you go. And I think that's a big thing that's, that's overlooked in the prepper community is the, uh, the skills on, you know, in different aspects of survivalism. No, that sounds like where we need to be. So with that, stay safe and we will talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm.